We are continuing our sermon series on what it means to live life in the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit and not our flesh. We've been studying the gifts of the Spirit, or not the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, today we're going to be focusing in on the characteristic of peace. So I want you to turn to your neighbor. I'm going to take you way back in American history. I want you to turn to your neighbor on both sides, shoot him a peace sign, say, peace be with you right now. Shoot the peace sign all over the room. Young people don't even know what they're doing down here, all right? Don't even have a clue what's going on. Way before emojis, uh, your parents, my generation, uh, we had the peace sign. We didn't have emojis, and so the peace sign was something that was uh, raised up and, and, and was kind of used as a symbol, and people didn't even know what it was about. Still to this day, very few people even understand the concept of peace. Before we get there, I want to remind you, next Sunday we'll have a guest preacher, our preacher from New York City. We have two church plants that we support. Pastor Daniel McGee will be with us, and we'll be able to talk about how you can help us take the gospel into New York City for people to find peace with God. Daniel will be here at 4 o'clock next Sunday. We'll have a Q&A information meeting. Just come and at least pray about, do I need to go to New York City this October? The dates are the 14th through the 19th for that trip. If you'd like to know more, please be a part of that meeting next week. And then you've been hearing about a new ministry we're starting now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, in the state of Oklahoma, we are blessed to be a part of a state that believes in life and protecting life. Out of that, not only uh, is abortion not allowed in this state, but now we can provide services to women and their babies. Instead of them going to Planned Parenthood for their answers, they can come to faith-based groups to find true answers. And we get to be one of those faith-based organizations that will be able to minister to women who become pregnant here over the next years. We want to invite you to be a part of that. It's called uh, Community Bridges Parenting Services. If you look at the next page, we will be all next month doing a baby ministry drive. I called it a baby drive last, last week, and people thought they were going to get to donate their kids. No, it is a baby ministry drive. Uh, you don't have to do it through Amazon, but we have put a baby registry out there on Amazon. If you want to go there and see items, you can order them through the baby registry. I'm going to show you how to do that in a minute. And they will deliver it right here to the church. We'll stack it up in the lobby as we start receiving donations the whole month of September. If you don't want to go through Amazon, you can find the 21 items. They'll be listed in your bulletin throughout the month of September and on our website. You can go to Walmart, Target, anywhere you can find baby items and you can purchase them and bring them drop them off at the church as well. If you want to go through the registry, though, it's a little hard to find on Amazon. If you'll go to their search bar at the top, and if you'll type in, you can't read that very well, uh, but it says Baby Registry Search. When you click uh, Return, it will take you to this site, and it lets you search for a registry. Type in PCBC Baby Ministry, and it will bring up our registry. You can go and click on any items. You can select those, purchase them through your Amazon account, have them delivered here to the church, just change the address, or it can come to your house, and you can bring it right up here to the church. So help us, in the month of September, make a difference with the next generation. Well, let's go into the sermon this morning, walking life in the Spirit. You can either live life in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, or you can be saved and still live in your flesh. And that is a reality, unfortunately, for a number of people who are saved. We have done a great job in America of teaching people how to be saved, realizing that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, preaching the truth that apart from a Savior, we're lost in our sin. And people 
all throughout this uh, country have pretty much probably been approached with the message of salvation. And there are people who have asked Christ in their heart and allowed God to save them, but they've not been taught how to live saved. And so here we are with Christ coming to live in our hearts, the Holy Spirit filling or dwelling in us. But if we're not filled with the Spirit, we'll keep living in the flesh and not experiencing the victory, the abundant life that Christ has. So as I said, we know how to be saved, but not how to live saved. We know the promise of eternal life, but we're not experiencing Jesus' promise that said he came to give us abundant life. We know the understanding of, uh, of the wooing of the Holy Spirit, of listening to that voice, speaking to our hearts about our sin, but we've not been taught how to live victoriously in the power of the Holy Spirit over sin. And so in this whole sermon series, we've been studying what the New Testament teaches about the hope that is in us, the power that's within us, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we get to another descriptor of what it looks like. A life that is filled with the Holy Spirit is a life that loves like God loves. It's a life that experiences the joy of the Lord no matter what's happening in their circumstances, and it's a life that is known for having peace. When I say that word peace, uh, for your moms and dads in the room, uh, this is what comes to our minds. We go back to the 70s and we think about the flower children, we think about the peace sign. Uh, that kind of became a whole movement in this nation. It was a younger generation that says we're not going to experience what our parents experienced and all that industrial commercial stuff. We're just going to live for peace, man, peace. And some people gathered at a place called Woodstock and I want you to understand, peace wasn't just for the hippie generation. It wasn't just an issue of the 70s. You take a look at this famous picture. Uh, that's what that generation, this is actually a famous picture. There's a guy right there by the name of Scott Simmons. He's got his girlfriend there with him. I think her name was Leanne. Some other hippies that gathered, they'd make their way to Woodstock. Anybody ever heard of Woodstock? Well, I want you to know, peace was not accomplished at Woodstock. Uh, your parents maybe can tell you. Maybe you go talk to your grandparents. Some of them got spankings for going to Woodstock or even wanting to go to Woodstock back in the day. And everybody thought, man, we'll gather together at this place, man, and we'll be a generation of peace, not war. And I want you to know there was no peace accomplished at Woodstock, quite the opposite. It was nothing but immorality and sensuality, nothing but man's rebellion in its finest hour, and there was no peace to be found at Woodstock, nothing but chaos. I want you to understand, peace is not found on this planet. It's not found in an event or a concert or a movement. Peace can only be found at Calvary and what God did for you and for me. So let's dig in and let's look at this issue of peace. It goes all the way back, way before Woodstock. I'm going to take you back into the book of Judges. Go find the book of Judges today. Go to Judges chapter 6. You see, this has been an age-old pursuit in the human race. An absence of peace. We live on a planet that is full of war and an absence of peace. The truth was same in Judges chapter 6 in Gideon's day. You've heard of Gideon. When you think of Gideon, you have a tendency to think of Gideon's army, of what he and 300 guys did supernaturally through the power of God. And I don't want you to think about Gideon's army. I want you to see Gideon's peace. Before there was ever an army, before there was ever a victory, Gideon had to wrestle with the issue of peace. So here we are in Judges chapter 6 in verse 1. 
And what we find is the history of Israel. The first four, five, six verses, look at verse 1. It says this, that the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. What was this evil? Well, Israel did what many do. Uh, Israel was called to be God's people. They were to be a holy nation, set apart from all other nations. God was the one that led them out of Egypt. God was the one that was leading them in the promised land. God was the one that gave them victory over bondage and gave them a new place to live and all this freedom. And yet they became like all other nations. We don't need God. Uh, I got this. We're good without God. As a matter of fact, we'd rather be like all other people, all other nations. And so Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They turned their back on a holy God and they embraced the false gods of their culture. Exactly what's going on in America today. Churches on every corner, but filled with people like Israel who are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God turned them over to the desires of their heart. Did you know the Bible says God will give us the desires of our heart? Now that's good news and that's bad news. It's good news if you're delighting in the Lord. If your desires are to do what God's will is. But God will also give you your desires if your desires aren't to delight in the Lord. If it's to delight in the world, God will say, if that's what you think is going to give you peace, if that's what's going to give you joy, if you think that that's going to fill you up, go for it. And he turns us over to our desires. He did that for Israel, and for seven years now, they'd been under the attack of the Midianites. The enemy had overwhelmed them and was conquering them. The Lord handed them over to Midian for seven years, and the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and caves and strongholds. It was so bad, the oppression and the strength of their enemy was so overwhelming that they would have to build for themselves dwellings and caves and holes in the ground, just so they wouldn't be burned and scorched off the earth. At a particular time, especially harvest time, when the fruit of their harvest were now coming, what they were going to sustain their, uh, their lives on from what they had grown in the ground, every year the Midianites would invade and would wipe out, take all their livestock and all their crops. And there they were hiding in the caves, just trying to survive. Well, as we go on, we find here that they had no peace. That instead, they allowed the enemy to have victory over them, and as a result, there was no peace. Well, look at verse 7. God used that season. Prayerfully, maybe you'll let God use this season in your life to wake you up spiritually. And it says that they finally, it took them seven years, took them a while. But they finally cried out to the Lord. Today, I'm going to encourage you, no matter where you're at in your journey with the Lord, to cry out to him, to cry out for his victory, to cry out for the defeat of the enemy in your life. Israel cried out to the Lord on the account of Midian, on account of the enemy and the victory he was having over them. Too many Christians today are not living in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but living in defeat with the enemy killing, stealing, and destroying. Cry out to the Lord. As Gideon did this, the Lord did what he does. He shows up and he delivers. It says then, verse 8, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. He sent his word to them. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And he takes them on a history lesson. He says, have you forgotten I was the one that brought you out of Egypt? 
I was the one that gave you victory from the Pharaoh of the past. I'm the one that has brought you to a promised land. It is I and I alone that has blessed you from generation to generation. Have you forgotten your history? And I would tell you it's easy to wake up one day and, and, and we know Jesus in our heart and we thank God for when he saved us in the past, but we have gotten so distracted that we're not walking with God today as we should. And it seems like God's a million miles away. God shows up as they cried out to him, and he reminds them, he takes them on history. When's the last time you sat down and you took an inventory? When's the last time you took note and reflected on what God has done throughout your life? I mean, think about it. Take some time today. If you have to just get by yourself and sit down with a piece of paper and, and just write it down and say, man, I remember when God first got my attention. And I remember how God protected me from this. And I remember how God delivered in this situation. And I remember how God provided this. Go back and look at your history. You see, when we forget who God is and what God has done, we become easy prey for the enemy. I love the song that Alex introduced to us earlier. It was talking about we got to remember who God is and what God has done. And there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. The one who gives us victory. So now God not only sends his word, now he's going to raise up a warrior. He's going to raise up a generation that will confront the enemy. Look at it in verse 11. So the angel of the Lord came. This angel of the Lord was actually what they call a theophany. It is God taking on flesh for a moment and appearing in this place. This is the Lord. The Lord appeared to this guy who was sitting under an oak that was in Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abyssalite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press. He was doing this to save it from the Midianites. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Now what I want you to see in this piece is I want you to see what God's doing. God is restoring. God is answering their cries to be delivered from their fear and from the enemy. And first he sends his word and he speaks into their fear. Then he starts to raise up a generation that will be valiant warriors. But when you look at this guy named Gideon, it doesn't look so valiant. It doesn't look so tough. I mean, here's a guy who's hiding in fear. Here's a guy who's trying to stash some rations, trying to keep something back because he knows the enemy is about to bring more defeat. That doesn't look like a valiant warrior to me. That looks like somebody who's already defeated. And yet, here's the deal. When we look in the mirror, we think we're looking at reality. And when we look in the mirror, we see inferior. We see us. But let me remind you, this has never been about us. It's all about him. And as long as you're looking at you and putting yourself in the equation, you will have reason to fear. You will have certain defeat. But if you'll look to the God who created you, if like jo uh, Joshua 1, 9 that we saw earlier in baby dedication, that powerful verse that Jeremiah had to remind the people, know this, my purposes are with you. Be strong, be courageous. He would say through Joshua, all these promises that God has given us, all these things that have been spoken to us. But we don't feel so valiant. I want you to see God sees you differently than you see you. 
God sees you as who you are becoming and who he's going to make you to be. You see, God knew he was going to make Gideon a valiant warrior. Gideon just couldn't see it. So many times we can't see it, but we got to trust God with it. So watch him do it. Look at verse 13. So Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? Gideon falls into the same ditch we do where we start talking back to God as if we're really brilliant, as if we need to correct the Lord and help him understand what is true. You know, God, uh, you claim all this stuff that you're a God of victory and you did this in the past and we read in the Old Testament and we read what you did 2,000 years ago, but God, where are you today? You ever played that game with God? God, if you really cared, this wouldn't be going on in my life. And it's really kind of humorous that Gideon is bringing all this trash talk on God and blaming God for their bondage. Where did their bondage come from? Not what God did, but what they did. They turned their backs on God. They chose other gods. It's their own fault, and yet he wants to blame God. Oh, and God, where are all these miracles that you told our fathers about? Did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? We've heard that preached over and over and over again, but he hadn't brought us up out of bondage. Why are we still in bondage? You see the issue? The enemy loves to rob you of the God of your history. He loves to rob you of the God of victory. And if he can blind you with the decisions you've made, if he can blind you through the issues of your past or what's going on in the present, he'll do anything to rob you of victory. Verse 14. So the Lord looked at him and said, now, see, if I was God right here, man, I'd, do, I'd done some correcting, wouldn't you? You had a smack-talking boy talking back to you. Yeah, 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 you claim to be this, but you never. Isn't that a time for a spanking? Come on. What does God do? God breathes life into him. Gideon, he doesn't, he doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't get disappointed that Gideon can't see it. He says, Gideon, I want you to go in this strength that is in you. I want you to go because I have sent you. The same thing that was said to Gideon is the same thing Jesus told you and me. He told us that he would send the helper. We're going to see that in a minute. That we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would have a Holy Spirit power. A new strength. And we were to go into this world not being oppressed by the enemy but we were to be valiant warriors. Taking the gospel into all the earth. He says to Gideon, quit pouting. Quit doubting. Get up and go in this strength of yours. Now, when you read that, you would think, that's God telling him to put on his big boy pants. Come on, man. Quit having a pity party. Put on your man pants and go face the enemy. That's not what God wasn't giving him a motivational rally. God was reminding him of what God was doing in him. This strength of yours was talking about, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it talks about this internal spiritual strength strength that is not from your own resources but from above Gideon yes the enemy has had great victory in your life but go now in a new strength that I give you and I am sending you against the enemy verse 15 here comes Gideon valiant warrior actually big time smack talker Lord, how am I going to do that? How am I going to save Israel? 
do you not understand that my family is the least in Manasseh and I am the baby of the family? You see, they had been taught that the strongest clan was the strongest clan. That the, the one who was the strongest in the family was the oldest. And he's saying, I'm nothing but the baby. I'm the runt of the litter. And oh, by the way, our litter is the runt of the runts. Makes him a great candidate. Instead of that becoming our excuses, it becomes a great opportunity for God to be glorified. But see, he was looking at the ledger sheet. He was looking like we look. He was breaking out a list of the pros and the cons. And whenever you do that, you'll always be defeated. Your resources will always come up short. Whenever we look in the mirror, we always will experience defeat because we're looking at us and not at him. When we're looking at the balance sheet, we will always be self-defeated because we are bankrupt in our own strength and in our own resources. We forget about the God who lives in us. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who now lives in us gives us everything we need for life and for godliness. Gideon had to learn that. Drop down to verse 22. Finally, Gideon gets it. Finally, Gideon understands how to experience peace. Look at it, verse 22. For when Gideon perceived that, he, that this was truly the angel of the Lord, he said, O Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now here's his problem. They've been told no man has ever seen the face of God. For if they would see the face of God, they would die. And now he's got a new fear. It used to be the Midianites now he's like, oh my goodness, I just hosted the Lord. I've seen him face to face, and now I'm a dead man. And God speaks to him. Listen to what he said to Gideon. Listen to it. Peace to you. Peace. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be crippled. You don't have to worry about anything. Peace to you. Don't be afraid. Gideon, in that moment finally experienced something he had never tasted before, and it was peace. But listen to what he does. Gideon, as a result, built an altar to the Lord, and he named it, The Lord is Peace. For seven years, they had been run into false altars. For seven years, they'd been hiding in caves. For seven years, the enemy has been defeating them year in and year out. And finally, Gideon comes face to face with the Lord. That's what I want you to see. Peace is not found by some treaty that man signs on this earth. Peace is not found because we get rid of all of our nuclear weapons. Peace is not found by what man can do. Peace is a person. You see, that's what he came to understand. That I don't need peace with the Midianites. I need peace with God. Peace is God, for he is the Lord of peace. In the presence of the Lord, there is peace. And the problem for us is we have lived in caves of depression and discouragement because we're not encountering God face to face on a daily basis. Uh, we encounter Jesus at camp. We encounter Jesus at an altar. We encounter Jesus to save us. And then we keep living this life like everybody else in the world. But when you live life in relationship and fellowship with the holy God, that God fills you. 
That God fills you with his love. That God fills you with his joy. That God, who is the Prince of Peace, gives you peace. Peace is not something to pursue unless you're pursuing Jesus. Because peace is a person. So what does this mean, peace I give you? That word peace... If you look at it in the Greek, which it is promised to us as well, that we will be filled with peace, it is a Greek word which means oneness or wholeness. It means that every part of me is one with a holy God. I'm not divided. I'm not double-minded. I'm not distracted. And matter of fact, it literally means to not be torn into pieces, but to be one and whole. See, the enemy, to steal you of that peace, he's got to divide your mind and your heart and your loyalties. He's got to rip you to pieces. And that's the picture that's here in this concept of peace. God is the one that makes us one with God. And as we walk with that one God, we experience wholeness or peace in our life. But here's what we do. We do what Israel did. We take a relationship with God. I need Jesus to save me. But then we add other things. Just like Israel that added other gods and other altars to the land, we add other stuff in our life because that's what I need to make me happy. That's what everybody else is doing, and i got to do that, and I, gotta, I need that. And all along, when you add other stuff to Jesus, you lose your peace. It's only through him that made you one with God, who keeps you one, can you keep the peace. Romans 5, we don't have time to turn there, but it says this. Since we've been justified through faith, we now have peace with God through Jesus. You cannot know peace until you've made peace with God. The way you make peace with God is not by coming to church, not by getting baptized, not by putting something in the offering plate, not by donating to the baby ministry drive. Those are good things. But we get peace when we make peace with God. Have you made peace with God? Has there been a time in your life where you said, God, I know in my sin I'm separated from you. I'm not whole with you. I am separated from you. And then you look to the only way you can be saved, the way, the truth, and the life, like Alex read earlier. And you let the Lord pay the price for your sin and be reconciled back to a holy God and become one through him. That's making peace with God. I used to think you made peace with God because John Wayne was going to take you out of this world, and you better make your peace with God. And it was something we had to do to fix it. And then I understood only Jesus can fix it. You made peace with God? Once you make peace with God, then you can receive the gift of God. There's some other verses I was going to give you, but let me, let me just take you all the way down to Philippians 4 because we've got to close. Go to Philippians 4. And here's the bad news. I'm going to show you five things in three minutes or less. That's the good news on how you can have peace with God. Five things very quickly. Philippians chapter 4. He tells them, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. The reason he had to say that is it's so easy to lose the spirit of joy. But joy, again, is a result of being filled with the spirit. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your spirit gentle spirit be known to all people for the Lord is near and here's the very first thing write it down take some notes if you really want to know the peace of God because you've made peace with God number one do not be anxious about anything in other words write it down worry about nothing 
worry about nothing. Here's the problem. All of us have a worry list. Just like that baby registry, we've listed items that you can donate. We all got items on our list that we're worrying about. All these things, and we share them as prayer requests. And we just shared it last hour. Issues of worry, 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 anxiousness. And he says, listen, man, don't let that rob you. Don't let that be a Midianite. Don't let that take you to your cave. Worry about nothing. Again, that worry, that, that word for anxious here is that pulling apart into pieces. It's, it, it's the opposite of wholeness. It's the opposite of peace. That's why Jesus said, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life, about anything. I got it. Remember who God is and what God does. Number two, but in everything by prayer and pleading. Number two, we worry, one, we worry about nothing. Number two, we pray about everything. Super simple. Worry about nothing, but still pray about everything. Lift it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Cast it upon him. Don't just ignore it. Don't bury your head in the sand. It's okay to recognize, I got these issues, but I need to make sure he's got them. I need to take those to the Lord. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Number three, do it with thanksgiving. Always be thankful. Here's what we normally do. We're good with the list. We're good with giving it to God and saying, God, I got this going on and you better do something about it. We, we're good giving that. And then we sit back in our cave. And we sit back in our fear. Will God answer? How am I going to survive? What's this look like? But he says, when you bring these things to me, everything, when you bring these things to me, do it with thanksgiving. I've taught you this before, but what we do is we take everything to God and we dump on him. Fix it, God. And then we wait, and if he fixes it, he's never failed me yet. And when he fixes it, then we thank God. But what does this say? You don't wait for God to bring the victory. You thank him ahead of time because he is bringing the victory. Thanksgiving comes on the front end, not on the back end. Can you get that? And when I live in that spirit of thanksgiving, I've already got the victory. I'm already realizing God's got this. Well, it goes on through Philippians and says the fourth thing is this. Not only are you to worry about nothing and pray about everything with thanksgiving, always being thankful, but we are to think on the right things. Don't give territory back to the enemy. He says, think on those things that are lovely, that are honorable, that are pure, that is right. Don't return back to stinking thinking. That's where the battleground is. That's where the Midianites, the enemy, gets to us is through our thinking. So think on right things, God things, what God has declared. Focus on victory, not defeat. Don't look at what the enemy is threatening you with. Look at the victory that is yours through Christ. Think rightly. And when that happens, look at verse 9 and we're done. And as for these things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, what I've just taught you, those four things, practice those things. Experience those things. And when you do, God of peace will be with you. If you're not experiencing the God of peace, a couple things. It may be because you're not spending time face-to-face -face with God. If you're not experiencing the God of peace right now in your life, it could be because you're not practicing those four things we just looked at. Receive his peace. Make peace with God. 
And if you have peace with God, let him be your prince of peace. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have peace with God, if God has saved you from your sin, take a moment, remember your history and thank God for saving you. If you're here today, like I was, going to church with Cami for many, many months, hearing the gospel and not having peace, I wasn't sure if I died where I'd spend eternity. I was hoping it would be heaven. I had no peace because I'd never made peace with God. Maybe that's you today, whether you're viewing online or in this very space. If that's you and you don't have that peace with God, nail it down today. Do what I had to do with several hundred other people at Convention Hall in Enid, Oklahoma, and We all came forward at the end of a message much like what was preached today and we declared that we needed the Prince of Peace. We needed to be saved. If that's you, come to one of our staff and say, I need to be saved today. I need to make peace with God. If you've made peace with God in the past but you don't have peace in your life right now, there's an issue of worry, anxiousness, anxiety, then today do what Gideon did. Turn from the past and make an altar. He didn't go running back to a church building. The altar in this part right up front where I'm standing, he made an altar where he was. And right where you're at right now, you can make that place a holy place, an altar, a place of worship, a place where you say, God, today I release this fearful thing. I come against the enemy in my life, Lord, not in my strength, but in yours. God, give me victory. God, I receive your peace right now. Maybe there's another decision you need to make to honor the Lord. I'm going to encourage you to come. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to stand together. Alex will begin to sing. If you need to come for any reason, I hope you'll step out and let God make you a valiant warrior. God, may that be in this very place. God, may you pour out a new strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you just didn't die for our sins to save us, but you also sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to fill us, to continue to walk in abundant life and victory. God, may you be glorified now as we respond to your word just like Gideon did. God, may we repair the altars in our life. May we worship you now in spirit and in truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.